0: You are listening to the CMC podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from student pastor, Josh Barnett. Uh, Well, if I don't know you, my name is Josh. I'm a youth and associate pastor here. Uh, Paul and Tim are both out of town this morning. Man, Paul's really suffering for the ministry this morning. He's on the beach. (laughs) He had to go do a wedding. So he's he's on the beach. (laughs) i would use that excuse too (laughs) um i'm excited about sharing the word uh with you this morning uh if you are in high school just want to let our cm youth know that we are uh, meeting tonight we're actually having home groups we're going to have you guys over to our house but if you'll meet at the youth center we'll go from the youth center to my house which is close by and uh i'm excited we're going to be cleaning and cooking for y'all all all day long so don't miss tonight it's gonna be a lot of fun at the barnett household so uh my boys are excited too they they always want to beat everybody in in a super smash brothers which is a, a video game if you don't know but they're excited about everybody coming over um i'm gonna embarrass my son to start he hates when i mention his name but Micah last night was asking me he's my <laughs> he's already looking at me like gosh uh he's he's about to be eight years old um he's uh, such a stud. i'm really 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 proud of him uh he's an incredible young man uh last night we were talking about me preaching this morning and he said uh he said, dad, you're not going to cry, are you? And I said, I can't promise that because <laughs> I've been crying a lot lately, uh, every time I preach. Um, and I said, why? And he said, it's embarrassing. Um, so I, <laughs> and I said, well, it's not you, buddy. It's just, it's me up here. So if anybody has to be embarrassed, I guess it would kind of be me. And he's like, no, when you cry, everybody looks at me and thinks, gosh, that dad, that guy's dad is crying right now. And I was like. I was like, no, they don't. Th- they don't think that. So, uh, but anyway, buddy, I will for you, Micah, I'm going to do my best to keep it together today. Does that sound good? You want to come preach? No, he said no. One day, one day. Um, but I- I'm saying that because I honestly I don't know how I'm going to get through this um, today. Uh, and I-, I really do want to end with worship today. I think it's important. I want to do some ministry time at the end. Um, I think this is an important message for, for, for all of us here. Um, and at the end, uh, if you need to leave, you can. You, you can slip out. Don't feel like you have to stay until everybody's done being ministered to or until the song's over. If you've got plans or, you know, you've got dinner burning in the oven or whatever, you can definitely go. I would rather you leave happy than stay mad. Right? Amen? Amen? So no, no judgment or condemnation if you, gotta, if you need to slip out and go. But I, I, I want to give... Uh, I want to give ample time for people to be ministered to if they need to. So I don't want to cut that off uh, because we've got to go on and, you know, get to the next thing. So I, I want to stay here for the one thing, which is actually what I'm going to about today. So um, our theme this year, uh, vision for our ministry is, is essential. And it's been really powerful and really incredible. Um, That's kind of a buzzword this, this last year. Uh, you know, who is essential, what is essential, um, why is the person saying essential, essential, um, you know, who, whose opinion are we supposed to follow or whatever. And uh, today I want to talk to you about the one thing that's essential. There's just one thing that's essential, and it's Christ. One thing is essential, one thing is needed. And I want to read from Luke chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, verse, verses 38 through 42. I reference this a lot, but I don't know if I've ever just preached a whole sermon just on this passage. Maybe familiar to, to you, it's the, the story of Mary and Martha, who were sisters. They're mentioned quite a bit in the Gospels, but Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. And Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Mm. She's chosen the one thing that is necessary and will not be taken from her. One thing is necessary. One thing is essential. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the essential one. And now you see Martha's framework is coming from like I'm doing things for you. I'm working for you. I'm trying to get things ready for you. Which, if, if they were hosting Jesus, they just they weren't hosting him. They were hosting him and 12 grown men. Um, and if you've ever had to feed grown men, they put it away. Um, I've, got, I've, got four, I've got three small boys, and they eat as much as I do. And so I don't know what we're going to do. Um, when they're teenagers, I'll probably have to start a uh, hungry kids fund um, in order to feed them. It's a joke. Y'all are looking at me. Y'all, y'all are so serious. Um, but if you've ever had to prepare for a group of people, but if you're preparing for a lot of men, you've got to make a lot of food and do a lot of things. And Martha is caught up in the serving. She's caught up in getting everything ready. Mary leaves her to go sit at the feet of Jesus and exasperates Martha. She gets angry. She gets mad and and, and comes to to Jesus and says, like, you need to correct her. She's She's not doing things for you. And Jesus is like, Mary, you got this all backwards. It's not about doing things for me. It's about being with me. One thing is necessary. One thing is essential, and it's to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I think sometimes we get, we get caught up in a busy culture. We get caught up in the way that the world does things that we say, we say our prayer, we punch our ticket into heaven, and then we get to work. And we get to doing things for him without him. It's very dangerous leaven that seeps into the way that we think and the way that we do things and the way that we live our lives is that we begin to do things in the name of Jesus but without Jesus. John 15, he was very clear that apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we've got to be careful that we don't begin to produce for him without being intimate with him. It's dangerous to do things for God without God. But first of all, he's the leader. He's the savior. He's the one doing things and you've got to position yourself and sit at his feet and allow him to teach you how to do things. But we very quickly like fall out of our prayer life, fall out of the word, fall into doing our own routine in life and Jesus becomes this thing that we do on Sunday mornings or this Bible devo that we do in the, in the morning but we don't actually have intimacy with him we don't actually know him we can know we know about him but do you actually know him and the beauty of jesus is that he's all sufficient what does that mean that means that he's all you need just him that's it you just need him he is the only one that su- sufficiently satisfies your heart your mind your spirit your soul everything about you he's the only one that satisfies it what's incredible is that he satisfies it every time every time every time he's god is unlike anything else because everything else will satisfy you for a season but when you get to the top or you achieve your goal then what right you got the promotion you got the paycheck you got the family you got the house you got the car you got the fill in the blank And eventually it no longer satisfies you. Jesus is the one that you continually go after and he just gets better and better and better and better and better. He's all sufficient. He's the only thing that's always going to continually satisfy you. That is his grace on our life, that he's the only thing that satisfies our hearts. He gets better and better and better and better. It's it's, it's It's an unending thing. He's also, he's all sufficient for the world. He's all sufficient for the problems facing our world today. You see, (laughs) the problems in our nation aren't political, they're spiritual. But people, even church, we're looking for man to solve problems that man is actually not sufficient to solve. And I don't mean to oversimplify it, but I mean to oversimplify it. Jesus is the answer to every problem that our nation faces. Jesus is the answer to every problem that our world currently faces. It's not Jesus and. Are you hearing me? It's not Jesus and. When you do Jesus and, the and becomes idolatry. It's not Jesus and the end of racism. It's not Jesus and the end of abortion. It's not Jesus and the end of human trafficking. It's not Jesus and a Republican in the White House. It's not Jesus and those things. It's just Jesus, man. And to deny that it is just Jesus is to deny his supremacy and sufficiency. That he is Lord of all and everything will bow to him. (laughs) And the reason that we forget that is because we take our eyes off of him. If your eyes are on him, guess what you don't feel anxious about? An election. Because he doesn't get voted out of office. Just saying. Sorry. (laughs) It's so easy that our hopes get misplaced in governments and theories and the solutions of man. But our hopes have to be in Christ and Christ alone. Yes, I do, I believe that God created us with a plan and a purpose and I believe that he will end all of those things. But we get so caught up in trying to end all of those things that those things become our idols. Very quickly, those things become our idols and our whole life become about those things instead of about seeing him. It becomes about, we actually can get caught up in making like the kingdom like an idol when you're supposed to focus on the king. If you focus on the king, you get the kingdom. And everybody's like, man, it looks so bad, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's so bad. Turn CNN off. My goodness. Turn off Fox News. Whatever else you watch. Well, I don't watch Newsmax or whatever. Turn it, all, turn it off. How, I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm not saying that we're supposed to be Christians with our head in the sand. But I'm saying one thing is essential. And if you are anxious and troubled about where the world is going, it's because you don't have your eyes on him. When you watch those things, watch them in small increments and watch them with the king in mind. Sit at his feet. We think, we think the world is ending. <laughs> Have grace for me. 2020, 2021 now, probably won't even be a blip in a history book a thousand years from now. Well, I think Jesus is going to come back for that before then. Well, I don't, so he may not. And, and, if, and if he's not, I, like we think that things are so, so, so so bad. This isn't like the first time that the world has gone through hard things. The world has been going through hard things. But I want to let you know, since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom has only advanced. So you went from 120 Christians in an upper room to now there is an estimated 2.2 billion Christians On planet earth. I would say the kingdom is advancing. But CNN ain't going to show you that. Your Reddit form ain't going to show you that. Do we need to read the last page on the book? He wins. He's actually already won. We are supposed to just go around declaring that he has won. And as we declare that he has won, guess what? The world comes into alignment with his will. All right, come on. But we can't, we won't do those things if we take our eyes off of him and begin to place them on other things. He is, he's the answer. He's the answer. The reason that people get burnt out doing things for, is because they're doing things for him and not with him. We've got to keep our eyes on him and do them with him. You know, and and sometimes I think like the leaven seeps in of like Jesus needs our help. We, or, or we've got to make him seem more appealing. That's called compromise. L- like, so, this is all about him. And this is inerrant. This is infallible. And this is all about him. Whenever you try to um, take Jesus and form him to what you want him to be, you're, we're no longer talking about the same God. We're no, we are no longer talking about the same God. You cannot create a, a graven image of God. Jesus defines here who he is. We don't get to define who he is. God is love, but love is not God. God is love, but God also defines what love is. Well, uh, you know, you, you, you can't be so provocative. You can't say, you can't say certain things. You, you know, you can't just call out people's sin. That, you know, they'll get offended. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised because some people are looking for a way to get out of their sin. Some people are looking a way for it to escape. Some people are looking for freedom. <clears throat> but I think sometimes we think that he needs help and we need to skip those verses or we need to make our messages more inviting and less provocative and don't talk about sin. And, and, and listen, this is not popular in the church world today. Actually, me mentioning this statistics show that it will make church attendance go down. So what? There is a reality that people will go to hell. And I'm not, I'm not being mean. I'm not, you know, I believe that people, there's going to be sheeps and goats. And people have a choice of whether they want to marry, marry Christ one day or marry their sin. People have that choice. And people, people will choose. Like, well, how does a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. They choose. They choose him. And God is, he's patient, man. He loves us, and it's not his will that any should perish, 2 Peter 3.18. It's not his will that any should perish. He's patient, and he's long-suffering, he's enduring, and he wants to give every sinner the chance to repent. He doesn't need our help to be seen more appealing. Um, It's interesting, in, in Exodus 32, when Moses comes off the mountain and Aaron has the people worshiping a golden calf, right? You all remember remember that story? He has the people worshiping a golden calf. It's interesting, if you read the Hebrew, they called the golden golden calf Jehovah. They called the golden calf Jehovah. Aaron was basically saying, this is your God that has brought you out of Egypt. And I think sometimes we do that where we make God in our image And we put him on the side and we say like this, we're worshiping something that's no longer God because we've changed the truth about who he is. And God will not be boxed in into our our, our created images of him. Sometimes we can worship something that we call God, but that actually is not really him. Sometimes people worship church. Sometimes people worship church. Do you know that Jesus only says the word church three times in the gospels? And he says the word kingdom over 120 times? Sometimes we, it, do you know that we actually can worship community? Do you know that some people worship worship, right? Some people worship worship. Like some people come in like, you know, I didn't really, you know, like that song today. Well, we didn't pick it for you. I really like the set list that Lucas is doing. I didn't really like whatever, man. I really wish we would do more hymns. I wish we would do whatever. Well, we're not doing it for you. It's for him. Every song we sang this morning was for him. It wasn't for us. It wasn't to minister to your heart. It was to minister to his heart. Okay? <laughs> it's for him. And just because it's not your style or your flavor or your whatever, it's for him. It's not for us. When some people are like, well, I, you know, I'm going to go over here because I like the way they do this. I'm going to go over here because I like the way they do this. I'm going to go over here because I like to do this. And people do that absence of asking the Lord where he wants to plant them. And so are we worshiping movements or are we worshiping Jesus? Are y'all okay? I don't mean to spank anybody. I don't I feel like I'm being really hard. I don't I not mean to be really hard. I I, I want to talk about just how important Jesus is and how beautiful he is. And I, I I Jesus is irresistible and he doesn't need our help. That's what the point I'm trying to make. He doesn't need our makeup, he doesn't need my strategy or my formula or my growth plan or my conference or my carnival that I put on. He doesn't need those things. He doesn't need my marketing skills or my promotion. The gospel is just meant to be preached and meant to be a life lived. His grace is irresistible. Listen, I'm not a Calvinist, but John Calvin got one thing right. That is the irresistible grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It wasn't a fancy conference or a fancy church with fancy lights where I encountered the beauty of Jesus. It was in the back of a barbecue restaurant. It was in the barbecue pit where it was 115 degrees. And the Holy Spirit came and showed me the face of Jesus. And there was tears and snot and sweat and barbecue sauce. And it was disgusting. But I saw the beauty of Jesus. And I've never turned back because he's amazing. He's amazing. Don't try to make Jesus some kind of golden calf so that people will want to come and worship him. Worship him for who he really is. He is beautiful without us. And I would say that if we change or water down the message, we're actually partnering with Satan. God bless. Jesus is enough. He's beautiful in his entirety. The reason that, and I would say the reason that people change the message is because they stop looking at him. When you stop looking at someone, you forget about how they look. Right? You You forget about their facial features, and you forget about their eye color, and you forget about their mannerisms, and you forget about... Their personality, when you distance yourself from someone, marriage advice, get close to your spouse and stay there. Get close to your spouse and stay there. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but somebody needs to hear that. Sometimes we, this is the same thing in our relationship with the Lord, but other people begin to look attractive because we're not staring in the eyes of the one that we made a covenant with. I think Sarah is the most beautiful thing in the whole world. But it's because I stay as close to her as I can. And anytime a thought or an attraction or something begins to form in my mind, I take it captive. And I cast it out. I make it to obedient to Christ. And I immediately go to her and look at her and chase her. That's how you stay faithful in your marriage. That's how you stay faithful to Jesus. Don't forget about the beauty that captivated your heart when He first called your name. He captured me with His irresistible grace. When I was nasty and ugly and dirty and shameful, He came running after me with open arms. And He fixed everything in me, He's the only thing that ever did. A face-to-face encounter with him is the only thing that ever changes anything. He's better than drugs. He's better than pornography. He's better than alcohol. He's better than money. He's better than music. He's better than material possessions. He's better than entertainment. He's better than a lot of things that I want to say, but there's little ears in here. He's better than anything and everything. He's the one thing. And since then, man, my heart cry, Psalms 27, you just need to read it over and over and over and over. And I think Psalms 27 is one of the most important chapters probably the most important one in Psalms, maybe in all of Scripture. It's so key and so crucial. Read it over and over. Spend a month there. And get David's heart cry. The one thing that I ask, one thing that I ask, the one thing that I would seek is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire about him in his temple all the days of my life. One thing is essential. One thing is needed. One thing is needed. He asks, or he tells Martha, you're anxious and troubled over many things. My question to you this morning is, what are you anxious and troubled over? What are you anxious and troubled over? What are you distracted by? One translation says, "Mary, you're di- or, uh, Martha, you're distracted. What are you distracted by? Is it politics? Is it media? Is it news? Is it social problems? And be real. Some of y'all just need to turn your Facebooks off. God bless. Are you so busy, worried about everything and trying to fix everything that you're missing the one thing that's essential? I'll tell you one of my pitfalls. One of my pitfalls is I like, I like to know things. I, li- I like to study. I like to, I, li- I like to watch YouTube videos. I like to dive deep in things. And sometimes I get so caught up in the knowing things that I miss him. That's just me, whatever it is for you. But I get so caught up, and I like to know what's going on in culture and how to respond to it. But sometimes I get so caught up in knowing things, and sometimes it's because I just want to be right. Right? Just me. (laughs) But I get so caught up in knowing things that I miss him. Listen, I love the Bible, it's incredible. I'm a Bible nerd. I want to just sit in my office and read this and study this and do commentaries all day. and that may, that may sound miserable to you, but I love this, but what my, one of my pitfalls I get caught up in is wanting to know this without knowing him. And you can do that. The fair, I'm junior varsity compared to Pharisees. And the Pharisees knew they had the first five books, they had the Torah memorized. My goodness, I struggle with like memorizing four verses. They had the Torah memorized. I'm junior varsity not getting off the bench compared to these guys. And they missed Jesus when he was right in front of their face. We can know about him and not really, really know him. And this, listen, this isn't, it's so funny because sometimes it's like, okay, like I I get that, like I know that, I've heard that. But but look in the mirror right now. Do some self-evaluation because we very easily can slip into that. Like, it's not like once you get to 40, then you can just kind of taper off in your relationship with the Lord. This thing is supposed to grow, right? This thing's supposed to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Again, he gets better and better and better. Your relationship with him should get better and better and better and better and better. He's infinite. It's actually going to take all of eternity for you to get to know him. Thank you, Jesus. We don't serve a God that's finite. But Ephesians says that we're going to learn about the the graces of our God for the ages to come. Come on. That's exciting to me. Sometimes when I, you know, when I talk about one thing is essential, like, well, that sounds ambiguous, that sounds selfish, that sounds irresponsible. Am I just supposed to sit at the feet of Jesus all day long? Yes. Yes, you are. Your heart should always be postured before him, whether you're coming or you're going. Whether you're at work or you're at home, your heart should always be postured before him. People are like, well, other things are essential too. Of course other things are essential, but you're called to seek one thing. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom that comes through right standing with God, that comes through right relationship with God, and then all of these things will be added unto you. Are y'all with me? All of these things will be added unto you. What things? Don't worry about them. Why are you worried about the things? There's one thing, right? He'll he'll provide. He'll make a way. I don't know. I honestly don't know how it works. It's supernatural. It really is. But I can say that when Sarah and I got married, we hard and fast run in this race towards him, and he has just blessed us and provided for us and done some incredible things in our life. doesn't mean that hard things don't happen. doesn't mean that storms don't come. But it does mean that he sees me through. And it does mean that he provides for me all that I need. So don't worry about the things. Just chase him. And everything else will be of secondary consequence. If you get the king, he brings the kingdom. When the king walks in the room, he brings his kingdom. Our mandate is fellowship with God. Our mandate is draw near to him. But what about the Great Commission? We're called to make disciples. Secondary. Secondary. If you if you fellowship with God, you will make disciples. It's natural. If you're close to him, discipleship will happen. If you get with him, discipleship will happen. <laughs> I'm not picking on anybody. Listen. I had a guy come to me the other day and asked me, like, doesn't does Christian Ministries like not do any outreach? They're like it really bothers me that Christian Ministries doesn't do outreach. I had to pray. Uh, I had to get in the secret place and not get in my flesh. <laughs> I'm going to try not to rant and get in my flesh right now. Is that okay? I feel, some of you are like, you've been ranting the whole time, bro. <laughs> There's joy in this place. There's joy in this place. There's joy. Come on. Loosen up a little bit, right? There's joy. There's new wine here. Come on, you loosey-goosey, a little bit, you know, cut loose. Some of y'all, some of everybody, so we get so uptight when we come in church and everything's got to look just right. And we got to sound just right. Like, hey, brother, how you doing? Like, easy. We're family. We're family, right? We're family, right? Come on. You, you got it? Yeah, come on. <laughs> <clears throat> what was I talking about? Outreach, yeah, that's it. See, the Holy Spirit was trying to lead me away from it. <laughs> <clears throat> out, listen <laughs> here's our philosophy on outreach we come in here we gather, we worship the Lord we get equipped, we encourage one another we pray for one another and then guess what you do, you go out and guess what you do you outreach like does Christian Ministries ever do outreach yeah man at Walmart 10 minutes ago I was just there shining bright what are you doing oh you want me to organize something for you and pay for something for you, and then beg you to come to something for you, and then you're not going to show up and I facilitate all of it for you? God bless. We are outreach. Your, your life lives should be outreach. The things that you say out of your mouth should be outreach. As Listen, you were dead and you've been raised to life. Do you, know, do you, do you think Lazarus needed outreach? every step that Lazarus walks was a declaration of the power of God every step that we walk should be a declaration of the power of God you are a city on a hill and listen you're not a little light don't let your kids sing that song it's bad theology this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine I don't know who I don't know what little light they're talking about because uh Jesus like created the sun and stars and stuff. Those aren't like little lights. He's a big light. He's the biggest light ever. He's a volcano. He's like, he's a sun. Like he's everything. Like he's, <laughs> we've got to get it in our hearts that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. Take the basket off, man. Shine bright for the world. What are we afraid of? There's nothing to fear. He wins he wins. We're on outreach all the time. And if you stay close to him, you will walk that out. If you're with him, like as you, you, are who you hang around, get close to him and you'll be like him. You'll walk like him. You'll talk like him. If you, if you see the beauty of Jesus, you won't keep it to yourself. And listen, I think sometimes we're so worried about rejection. You're not the savior. We're not the savior of the world, right? He's the savior of the world. You be obedient to what he has called you to do and watch him work. But we get so afraid because we're worried about people rejecting us. <clears throat> and listen, you never know what seeds that you're gonna sow in the heart of somebody. You may say something to someone and they may, get, they may flip you the bird. But you never know, five years later, they might have an encounter because of seeds that you sowed and somebody else watered and somebody else harvested, okay? Come on. <clears throat> I'll make it super practical for us the one thing is essential pray read your word turn off news turn off social media, turn off Twitter turn off Netflix get alone with him, I'm not saying that those things are bad but man if we know more about our favorite politician than we know about Jesus something's wrong if we know more about our favorite sports team than we know about Jesus, something's wrong God bless. I hope the Hogs win today too, but are, do you get more excited about the Hogs winning or do you get more excited about Jesus? I love sports too. I, I'm with you. March Madness is like Christmas around my house. It's awesome. It's, it's incredible, right? It's, it's, it's awesome. <clears throat> but Jesus is a much bigger deal than those things. And people forsake the gathering a lot in name of sports, in name of hobbies, in name of going to the lake, in name of whatever. Your kids watch that too, by the way. They see what is important in your life. Make him the priority of your day. Spend daily, dedicated, one-on-one time with him. And then don't leave him home. Take him with you. (laughs) Bring him into your workplace, into your hobbies. Shine bright for him. A lot of times the pushback that I get on messages like this is a People think that I need to be more balanced, whatever that means. (laughs) Balance what? Well, like, well, Josh, like, there's other essential things. I I get that. But I'm not balancing Christ with anything. You don't balance him with something. Balance means an equal measure of all things. He don't play those games. You don't balance Jesus with everything else in your life. It's just Jesus. He refuses to be equal or secondary to anything in your life. That's the way that he works. <laughs> so you can keep your balance. I'm going all in. I'm tipping the scales. Listen, this book was not written by or about balanced men and women. Fox's Book of Martyrs isn't written about balanced men and women. Can you imagine somebody come up to John the Baptist and be like, hey bro, I need you to take it down a little bit. I'm gonna need you to be more normal. I need you to be more balanced, right? Peter should have been more balanced. Paul, I guess, even Jesus, man. You know, Jesus, that was that's that's hard, man. You need to you need to take it down a little bit. You know, you're running people off. Probably shouldn't flip those tables over. You know, probably, don't just say he who has ears, let him hear. Like, be sure that they understand every little detail of what you're trying to say, so that they'll come back next week. sorry, Jesus, Paul told me I got to stop apologizing, so I won't apologize, <laughs> Jesus, <clears throat> you know, or uh, people think, they hear these type of messages, and even me, man, I, even me, you know, like I have a relationship with that, I, I get that, now tell me something that I don't know, or tell me something that's going to make my life better, I think what people mean by that is they want, they want life advice that improves their daily quality of life without asking them to lay anything down. Without asking them to sacrifice everything. We've turned Christianity in this weird thing of like, what can I get from him? Instead of what can I give to him? What can I get from him? No, it's not get from him, it's what can you give to him? And that's why I think the church in America, the church in West at large, is not prepared to suffer. And so we think getting kicked off a social media platform is suffering. Or we think a mean comment on Facebook is suffering. Go tell that to the New Testament church. Go tell that right now to the church in the Middle East. Or the church in China. Go tell that to a church anywhere else. We, we've got to be prepared to suffer. I'm, I agree, like, stand up against tyranny, but maybe we haven't actually known real tyranny. The New Testament church was being slaughtered for their faith. That mean comment on Facebook is not the same category. God bless you. When we see Jesus for who he really is, we will leave everything else behind. When you see those eyes that burn like fire, that hair that's white as wool, that voice that sounds like many waters, you'll walk away from the vain things of this life. He is holy. He is different. And at the end of our lives, when we stand before him, the question will not be, did you fulfill your calling? Did you fulfill your ministry? Did you fulfill your purpose? It will be, did you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? One of my favorite verses in Psalms 27, as David says, Lord, I heard you say, seek my face. And my heart responds, I'm coming with all that I am. I'm coming to seek your face, Lord. I think it's interesting that David says that because he would have known that when Moses was on top of the mountain in Exodus 32 that Moses asked to see the face of God and God said, no man can see my face and live. So why would David say, I'm coming after your face? Because God is looking for people who would rather see him than live the life they've been living before they see him. Because if you see him, you will never be the same. You will be marked forever. You will die to your old self. You will be changed forever. If you really see him... Lucas and Brandon and Jason won't have to beg you to worship. If you, if you really see him, a pastor won't have to beg you to share the gospel with somebody or beg you to repent. If you really see him, if you really see him, Psalms 119 verse 18 says, open my eyes, O God, to the beauty of your law. If you really see him, the things that he asks you to do will be nothing. If you really see him, it'll, be, it'll, it'll all be, God, I'll lose it all for you. I'll lay it all down for you. Paul says in Philippians, God, it's all loss because I get you. He says, I press on to this one thing, you. Christianity is seeing the beauty of Jesus and being completely transformed. It's the parable of the pearl where you sell it all because you see how beautiful he actually is. The rich rung, rung, rich rung, rich young ruler comes to him in Luke 18 and says, I'm obeying the laws, I'm doing all these things, but, but Jesus says, you lack this one thing. There's that word again, one thing, or two words. You lack this one thing. Sell it all, come follow me. You lack this one thing. You're obeying me, but you're not close to me. Matthew 7, Lord, we are casting out demons. We're healing the sick. We're raising the dead in your name. And he says, yeah, but I got this one thing against you. I don't know you. You're doing things for me, but you're not intimate with me. I'm gonna have the band come back up. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is, he tells, uh, he's talking, he says, send this letter to the church, the angel of the church of Ephesus. And he says, to the church of Ephesus, you're doing all these things amazing. You don't tolerate evil. You don't tolerate sin. You don't tolerate false teachings. You kick those wolves out. you're You're doing great. But I got this one thing against you. That's what he says. I got this one thing against you. It's that you don't love me like you used to love me. He doesn't say that you don't love me at all. He says you don't love me to the degree in which you used to love me. You have left your first love. You don't love me like you used to. And then he gives, he gives the key to it though. in, In verse five of chapter two. He says, so remember, remember, remember. He says, remember where you've fallen from. Remember where you were. Remember how you used to love me. water boils at 212 degrees, 211, nothing. You don't love me to the degree in which you used to. And listen, I've been calling my own heart to repentance this last week because I realized I got so busy doing things for him that I wasn't doing them with him. And I got so busy looking at other things and how to fix and how to get, and I I thought like even when I preach, God, how do I get people to think right about what's going on in culture? And I got so caught up in thinking right and I got so caught up in doing the right things and I got so caught up in 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 meeting with people and trying to minister to people that I was leaving him out of it completely and I was like I don't love you like I used to and it hurts me I want to be close to you again but it's such an easy leaven where it seeps in and over time we just to- slowly slowly taper off of being close to him so this this is a call to repentance this is a call for us to look at him again I remember this song they're about to sing I remember when it first came out uh, my wife came to me and she said this song really convicted me because the, in, the, in, in the bridge it says look at him and she said that Jesus told her you've been looking at all of these all of this news and all this social media and all this and what's going on in the world and he said look at me and I, that broke me because it was right me too I'm looking at, I'm watching all of these things happen in our nation, and I'm looking, and I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at this, and going, Oh, God, what do we do? How do we solve this? What's going on? And I, I began to get so angry at people that didn't agree with me. And this, the call this morning is just look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Do you feel like you're drowning? Look at him. Are you addicted? Look at him. Are you struggling? Look at him. Are you lonely? Look at him. Have you lost your job? Look at him. Are you bankrupt? Look at him. Do you have cancer? Look at him. Do you need healing? Look at him. Do you have a prodigal? Look at him. Have you lost a loved one? Look at him. Look at him. Are you doing great? Look at him. Look at him. Are your bills paid? Look at him. Are you blessed and healthy? Look at him. No matter what's going on, we all need to look at him this morning. Can we bring the lights down a little bit? Um, I want to stand and and end with worship. I've asked several people to come and, and make themselves available for prayer. So if you want, let's all stand together. If I ask you to come and make yourself available to prayer, will you you come down and and just uh, stand at the altar down here and and listen? There's anything that you need prayer for. I want you to come. We're gonna, I I wanna make this available and we want this to be more of a normal thing where we have people available to pray for you if you need prayer. Babe, will you come down? Anybody? youngest to oldest if you need prayer I want you to come I want you to ask listen if you need to get right with the Lord if you need to get right with Jesus this morning come I can't think of a better day to do it today is the day of salvation is what Paul says today is the day why wait one thing is essential and one thing is needed again if you need to leave and slip out you can but we'll, we'll be here as long as you need us for it. Let's worship. You've you been listening to the CMC podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.